Lord, we're here for you. So that you would be glorified. We are here so that you would be made known as great. Lord, we want to know you so that we can make you known. Have your way. Have your way fully in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're now on our third week in a series called The Trinity Way, uh, the eight trademarks of Trinity Church. And the first Sunday we talked about listening, that we are a church that listens up. Now, we've talked about prayer. Prayer is central to our faith journey here. Part of that is to be able to hear God talk back, to develop a conversational relationship with God. So we talked about that here at Trinity. It's one of the trademarks that we are a listening church, uh, listening for his guidance in our lives. Um, we, last week we talked about faith, that we are a church of audacious faith, that we take bold risks in God. And this week we're going to talk about the trademark, Jesus is the center. Jesus is the center. Really, this is our number one trademark, Jesus is the center. And you might think, well, I mean, isn't that a given? Doesn't that, is that really a trademark? Don't all churches say this? Jesus is the center? How is that a trademark? How is that something unique? Now, granted, I've, I've seen, I've attended churches where they would say this. Jesus is the center of all we do. They say it, they write it in their beliefs and values, and they live it out. I've seen churches like this. They're more concerned with what Jesus wants to do than their traditions and their agendas. God is front and center. So I've been to churches like this. And at Trinity, we want to be that way. Now, for the last few years, here's, a, here's an example of how we want to do this. For instance, during prayer ministry, this morning... If the prayer, the, the spirit of prayer was moving, we are open to saying, God, have your way. My sermon would be blocking God from doing what he wants to do. And so if we're going to continue and pray, we're going to continue and pray because we want Jesus to be front and center. So that's part of our culture. Another example is in our worship ministry. We've been moving in this way with our worship. That we want to make our worship time all about Jesus, all about glorifying his name. It's not just singing songs. It's about bringing glory to his name. And, and the worship teams now, what they do is, what we do is have a backup song, just in case, a just in case song. God wants us to move, continue in worship. Amen. See, it's, it's built into our DNA. We have this expectancy that God is going to want to move. And if he's going to move in this direction, we're going to change directions and go that way. We're prepared to do that. The key is to be so in tune with Jesus, which is why we emphasize listening prayer. We need to be so in tune with Jesus that we can actually feel his heartbeat. We can literally feel it. 
And so look, there's churches like this for sure. But I believe there is the possibility. I believe there is the possibility for a church to say Jesus is the center. They write it in their values and belief systems. But when it comes to living it out, they miss it. I believe it's possible for a church to do that. That it's even possible in our individual lives. Like I can say to you, Jesus is the center of my life. I could say that. But saying it and actually expressing it through my living is two totally different things. Totally separate things. So what is Trinity Church saying when we say Jesus is the center? If I could sum it up in one sentence, this is what the sentence would be. We behold Jesus in order to become like Jesus. We behold Jesus in order to become like Jesus. Now the word behold simply means to see, to look at, to gaze upon. When we say we behold Jesus, it means we're, we're seeing Jesus, we're looking at Jesus, we're gazing upon Jesus. Another way to put it is we focus intently on Jesus. And the reason why we do this is because when we gaze upon Jesus, when we behold Jesus, something happens. Something happens to us when we do this, when we focus all our attention on Jesus. Something happens. Now, John the Baptist, in, in the book of John, chapter 1, he's with his disciples. He's with two of them. Jesus walks by and he says, Behold! The Lamb of God. Look! It's Jesus. And his two disciples, they look at Jesus. Something happens to them. Something happens. They get gripped by Jesus and they start following him. They said bye to John. They started following Jesus. Why? Because something happens to you when you gaze upon Jesus. And that something that happens is what we want to unpack here at Trinity and define what it means that Trinity makes Jesus the center. So what is beholding Jesus? What does it mean to behold him? Well, this is what it says in John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now let's just pause there for a moment, okay? I want you to look at that passage. Don't let it slip by. Don't let it, don't think of the next thought. What's James going to say next? No, let's, let's just meditate on that. Let's munch on that one for a minute, okay? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Let your soul soak those words. This is a powerfully profound statement that Jesus is making here. He's focusing everyone's attention on himself. Look at me. Look at me. And the two words that I want to mention here is come and believe. Come and believe. In this verse, those two words are very, they're parallel with each other. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. 
To come to Jesus is to believe in Jesus. So why am I coming to Jesus? If I was in the desert, it's just desert, okay? There's no food, no water, hot. I'm famished and I'm thirsty. It's dry, hot. And all of a sudden, I see in the distance, there's some bread. A nice big loaf of soft, yummy, gluten-free bread. Okay? Yummy. And right beside it is a nice glass of ice-cold water. Now I'm famished and I'm thirsty. And I see this. What am I going to do? I'm going to rush over to it. And I'm going to take it. Eat it. Drink it. What happens? Ah. Mmm. Mmm. Drink the water. Right? What happens? Ah. I'm satisfied. I am satisfied. Right? What Jesus is saying here is, come to me. I am the satisfaction of your life. I am everything you've ever wanted. Come. It's me. It's all about me. When a soul is searching for fulfillment, this happens right when you're born. As soon as you're born, you're searching fulfillment. As soon as you're born, what is hardwired in us? We seek fulfillment as soon as we're born. And that soul's rest comes when we discover Jesus. It will not stop until we find Jesus. When it sees Jesus, comes to him and believes in him, the soul will be satisfied forever. You shall never hunger again. You shall never thirst again. Jesus is everything you've ever wanted and needed in this life. So John 6.35 is talking about seeing and savoring Jesus as the ultimate satisfaction of your soul. He is everything. Nothing comes before him. He is everything. It's talking about coming to Jesus, believing in Jesus to be the center of all you ever desire, the supremacy of all your pursuits in life. Jesus is it because he is the only one that brings total fulfillment in your life. Beholding Jesus is seeing and savoring Jesus and being satisfied in all that he is for you. True conversion is not just saying a prayer. True conversion is not just coming up to the altar. Although in many ways that is the doorway for someone to come into a conversion experience, salvation, for sure, for sure. I've led people in the prayer, the four spiritual laws, the whatever, the gospel presentation. Yes, yes. But when they say that, isn't what it means to be truly converted. True conversion, true conversion happens when a soul comes to Jesus, believes in Jesus, and in coming and believing, 
They discover Jesus as their complete satisfaction in their life. That is true conversion. You know the song, Knowing You? I don't know, this is an older song. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. The one who wrote that was gripped totally by this, exactly what I'm saying. There is nothing in this world that comes even close to knowing Jesus as your total, total, total satisfaction in this life. Now perhaps you're hearing me and you're saying amen on the inside. On the inside you're saying amen. You can say it out loud if you want to, but you know, amen, amen. Yes, I know what you're talking about, James. I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. He is the bread of life. He is the living water. Jesus is awesome. When Jesus talked about the man who, you know, went into a field and discovered a treasure, he sold everything he had for that treasure. Yes, I know exactly what that means. Listen, church, in the coming days, months, years, the church is going to have a very powerful message to the world, especially in North America. You see, in North America, we have so many things that distract us and pull away our passions and our desires, our fulfillment. They pull us in all these different directions. One that crumbles, people are going to have nothing. And that's when the church is going to come and say, Jesus is everything. You don't need that. You don't need this. It doesn't bring total fulfillment in your life. Jesus does. We are going to see this. This is going to be the message that will bring the masses into the kingdom. But perhaps you're here and you're saying, you know, I just, I don't know that I experienced Jesus that way. I, I, I just, I don't know that I experienced him as my greatest treasure. But I want to. I want it. I want that experience in John 6.35 when my hunger and thirst is totally satisfied in him. I'm tired of being, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm tired of chasing all this stuff and I feel like I'm running out of steam. I'm tired. I want total fulfillment. I want rest. I want peace. I want that experience. This is where Trinity Church's trademark of Jesus is the center. It's for you. It's for all of us. Because you see, if the church was more about the ABCs of church, have you ever heard of this? The ABCs of church in North America? Attendance, budget, cash. For real. For real, for real. Okay? If the church was more about bodies in pews, more about the offerings, if it was more about the traditions and things, and this is a set way, this is how we got to do this, the church blocks you from seeing Jesus. It's distracting you from the one who's going to bring you ultimate satisfaction in your life. 
It's tragic when churches do that. We don't want that at Trinity Church. No way. But it happens. Jesus addresses this exact phenomenon. Matthew 23. This is what he says. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. Jesus was talking about the Pharisees and the scribes. You see, they had a certain way of doing things. This is how you got to do it. This is what you got to dress like. This is how you got to talk. This is what you got to do. If you don't do this, if you don't fit this mold, you're out. That is a heavy millstone that was being placed on the necks of people. And it was blocking people from Jesus, from seeing Jesus. Jesus was saying, no, 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 it's not about this, this culture that you've created. It's me. It's me. Come to me. Come to me. That's what Jesus was saying. Now, things that we do, traditions in and of themselves, they're not bad. But when they take the place of Jesus in our lives as the focus and the center, that's a problem. That's a problem. We can't do that. If it's about doing things, it blocks people from Jesus. How tragic it is when a church can be that way. Or when a church has a leader that says, Look at me. Look at me. I want to say something to you, okay? So I've been pastor here at three years now. Wow, time flies. eh? I still feel like I'm brand new. Don't know what I'm doing sometimes. It's like, God, help me. We had a wedding last week, and I'm up there like, oh, man, I can't believe I'm doing this. For real, that's my truth, okay? Now, you've been here, some of you, during that whole time, and you've heard me talk about myself. And I'm very open I want to be open because I struggle. There's things I struggle with. Yes, Jesus became sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Yes, I know. It's because of him that we are who we are. Our identity is in Christ. But I struggle with sin. I struggle. And I'm very open in sharing that with you. Why? Why do I do that? Because I don't want you to look at me. I don't want you to look at me. I want to deflect you to Jesus. Look at Jesus. Jesus is the one who took this former drug-dealing, drug-addicted, tattooed Asian punk into who I am today. It was Jesus. Look at Jesus. If I was saying, look at me, look at me, I would be distracting you from the one who will truly satisfy your soul. I would be blocking you from the one who can, the only one who can heal you from the inside out. He's the one that sets the captives free. He's the one that places our feet on a firm foundation. He's the one. And so at Trinity Church, myself included, we want to be that place takes you to the one, the only one, 
who truly satisfies our souls. We don't want to block you. We exist to make Jesus front and center in all that we say and all that we do, to make Jesus famous, to make Jesus become known as great. And the reason why we do that is because when people focus on Jesus, their eyes become opened to see him. Once they see him, they become transformed. That's the becoming part. We behold Jesus in order to become like Jesus. In other words, when we see Jesus as our satisfaction, something happens on the inside and we change. Like the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. He didn't see Jesus. He saw him as a heretical false prophet, teacher, one that was leading the Jewish people astray. He, was, he had to be stopped. That's how Paul viewed Jesus. But suddenly, something happened. And his eyes literally opened. And he beheld Jesus. And he gave his entire life to become like Jesus. Going everywhere, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He gave it all. In his weakness, Jesus became strong. He was glorified, whether in life, by death, to live as Christ and to die as gain. That's what he was saying. He lived for Jesus. He became like him. When this thing happens, a person becomes like a flashlight that suddenly turns on. And that light is Jesus. Matthew chapter 5 verse 16 says this, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So it's not just about the soul's contentment, although that is awesome. When we finally find satisfaction in our soul, it's amazing, of course. But it's invisible. Only God sees that. It's wonderful, but it's invisible. But when the soul's satisfaction is fully expressed, the fruit is outward transformation and that is visible. The world sees that. Sin's grip loosens. Freedom is experience. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When we experience this and express it, People see it, and they want that too. What is it about this person? They're so bright. There's joy, unspeakable. They're smiling like this all the time. Why? Because God is my greatest satisfaction. I want that. I remember hearing a testimony. <clears throat> How many of you heard of Nick? Nick Vujicic? Vujicic? He was born with no arms, no legs. Right? I mean, Wow. And he was saying how he was like, <clears throat> he was going through town. He had a smile on his face. No arms, no legs. And this woman saw him and started weeping and came to him and said, How could you have joy? Where is that coming from? Jesus. It comes from Jesus. He is the satisfaction of my soul. Not this. Jesus. What a powerful testimony that is. When a church 
gets this, we become a lighthouse that shines in the darkness and brings people to see Jesus as their greatest satisfaction in this life. We behold Jesus so that we can become like Jesus. Now at this time, we're going to take a moment. We're just going to pause and reflect. Let's not rush, okay? We're just going to take a moment to pause and reflect. And A Bible verse is going to come up. It's from the book of John chapter 4. I just want each of us to just meditate on this passage. Read it. Let it sink into your spirit. And then as you read it, pray, God, I want to know what you're saying to me through this text. Now for some of us, God may impress upon you something and you write it down. For others, you make it a picture. For others, God will give you incremental revelation over the week. might not happen right away. I want you to just take a moment and reflect on this passage. And then journal what you receive from the Lord. I have another journal here. Who wants it? Anyone want this? Free. Giveaway. So I encourage you to have a journal. It postures your life to hear from Him. So let's just take a moment and meditate on this passage.
just as we're <clears throat> meditating and praying, I, I just got uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 6. Many of us have heard this. You've probably even seen it in a greeting card or a Christian greeting card. We can just let it pass by, but just, again, the words are so profound. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, in all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. God will make your path straight as you trust in Him. Let's pray. Lord, to trust in you is to fix our gaze upon you above all things, even in the midst of our struggles, the things that are going on in our life. Some problems are like, they seem like mountains before us, Lord. But it is only you that makes every hill low. You fill every valley. That's only what you can do and whatever circumstances we are facing right now Lord God help us to fix our gaze upon you to behold you to trust you to know that you are in control that you have a plan and a purpose and that as we gaze upon you Lord our hearts would be warmed to your presence in our lives and our minds become transformed according to your will. So be with us, Lord, as we pray. I pray for each and every one here. As we go this week, that you would speak to us, guide us, draw us closer to you. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Father, I just want to make this declaration and proclamation that this is the year of the Lord's favor for God's people who behold you. This is the year of your favor. Thank you for all that you're doing and all that you will continue to do in our lives. Bless each one, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.